0: Welcome back to another episode of Making It. My name is Mirabelle, and today I'm chatting with filmmaker, director, author, YouTuber Zach Ramelon. It's funny as I'm making this intro and putting all these labels on him because, like right off the bat, we get into talking about who we are aside from the labels we're given. So anyway, Zach uh, is—he's all of that and and more. (laughs) I found him through well, I saw his screening of his film at Buffer Festival. In 2019, which I want to say is like a film festival for YouTube creators, and it's it's really cool. I kept up with his YouTube videos, learned that this year he released a book, which of course I picked up and we talk about that in this episode. It's called The Unoriginal Guide to Originality, and you can find it on Amazon if it interests you. We talked a lot about authenticity, about making an impact with our work, with our creations, and a lot of the parallels between creating music and creating a film as i'm primarily a musician and he's primarily a filmmaker i was kind of surprised that there were so many things that we could relate on and it was it was really cool to be able to have this kind of talk with somebody so creative and and it was really interesting i hope you enjoyed this episode if you do please rate and review the podcast on spotify apple music Wherever you're listening to this, like the video on YouTube if you're watching there. If you're watching here, I don't know what am I um, what I'm supposed to say there. Um yeah, feel free to leave a comment, say hello, follow me on Instagram, follow the podcast, follow Zach everywhere. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, making it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um yeah, I like how um so I picked up your book <laughs> um the the guide to what is it called? Sorry. I have it right here. <laughs> the Unoriginal Guide to Original- Originality. On the back of your book, um you know, it's all about how to be your authentic self kind of thing. And uh and and you say you talk about how not to drown in life's tall glasses of influence, aka the social medias, the YouTubes, and all the goddamn podcasts out there. <laughs> so, um, I posted that on Instagram. I was like, Zach, what are you, what are you talking about? Why are you shitting on podcasts? Do you want to come on mine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we are
1: yeah, it's it's funny. The um, you know, in in fact, I, I feel like I've. Been, you know, poking at podcasts, but just poking at everything, you know, I think <laughs> as a as a creative, whether you're up and coming or someone who's been, you know, at it for years, it doesn't matter what you look at for inspiration or sort of those highlight things that you try to watch, uh, to even like escape, they all influence you. And I realized that there's just so much content out there right now. And I needed a sort of guide in order for me to navigate around all of these influences, whether it was the 50 podcasts that I'd be listening to or the dozens of YouTube videos. And that's what this book was. So it's not directly riffing on podcasts specifically. It's, <laughs> it's riffing on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not the only one I'm poking at. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's sweet, though. Uh, reading through it, it was like, it's nice that somebody has organized my thoughts for me because like, it makes sense what you talk about but I don't think I've ever been able to put things into words and such. And so it's a it's a pretty good book, I'd say.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's still, people are still like reading it because we just released it about a month ago. Mm-hmm. So people are still kind of uh, butting down on it. So it's good to hear someone else's opinions other than the crazy ones in my own head, because I've looked at this book for the last four years. It's been like mm. this ongoing journey. I wrote, I started writing it when I was just getting into doing YouTube stuff, so a lot of the thoughts were like, "How do I figure navigate this path of making online content?" So now, four years later, I'm still wondering, like, "Is this information relevant? Is this sort of timeless information?" And from what I've been gaining from people who have now picked up the book, started reading it, and sending messages, and including yourself, it's it is kind of voicing those thoughts that many of us up and kind of up, up and coming creatives, or even just established creatives, go through which is those, mm. those tall glasses of influence that we're overwhelmed with.
0: Yeah, so I thought that you st- maybe wrote this book because uh, you talked about, how, like a lot of people have commented on your YouTube channel of how you were copying Peter McKinnon or that's what it seemed like. So I figured that, that your book kind of came from, you know, after that time period, not kind of at the beginning of your whole journey.
1: Yeah, so so, and it's so funny because it's like I, I feel like that was the beginning for me because when I was getting called out, I really didn't know who I was as an artist, you know, and I felt like I'd, I'd come, back, come out of making some short films and even making my own feature films. So I understood the film world and in the YouTube space because it was so foreign to me. I think as any sort of creatives who doesn't know their established path, they like to follow in the shadow of other established creators because they've, they've blazed the trail, you know, and it's much easier to walk in someone else's trail than it is to carve out your own. You're, it's sketchy. It's weird. It's like going into a forest without a path. You'd rather go down the path that a million people have walked down than be like, I'm going to walk through this path and I don't know if there's a grizzly bear, but I'm going to go. It's scary and it's terrifying. And when you walk in the exact same footprints as someone else's trail, someone's going to be like, hey, like you're doing the same thing someone else has done. You're actually doing the same thing thousands of other people are now doing. And as soon as I started to pivot from that, I really felt like that's my beginning. That's where I really started because I, I've been doing this for so long, but I really feel like the beginning of my journey was figuring out who I was authentically. And that was about four years ago today.
0: Oh, sweet today
1: (laughs) i mean that was a dramatic statement i don't think it's exactly today that was just me trying to make something that sounded quotable
0: (laughs) no but yeah that's that's awesome um dj asked um asked i just i couldn't decide between asks and asked you're being Um,
1: original about it you created your own word that's fine there we go
0: (laughs) um so he asked what is something that you consider to be authentically you
1: now, is that directed at me specifically or just like people in general? Like, How do you find uh, you? Me? Something Specifically
0: else? at you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's actually a really good question. And it comes with a bit of a story that goes attached to it. But I recently went on my first ever retreat a few months ago. Typically, uh, as a videographer, I've filmed many retreats. I've been on many of them as like a working person. But to actually go on one as like my own self-experience... I was kind of like, okay, let's see what happens. And I went on this trip no one knew who I was. No one knew anything about me. And what that did was and I've never actually been in a situation where I wasn't known as something. You know, like typically we go in and that's not like saying how big I am or whatever I am. I mean, we all go into environments to where we're recognized for what we are, right? You go in with a sibling, well you're the brother of someone. Uh you go in with your parents, well you're someone's son. You go in with your partner, you're that person's girlfriend or boyfriend. And I've always been someone, something or something to someone. So either I'm Zach, the filmmaker, Zach, the brother in this one week, I was Zach and I didn't know who I was authentically. Who am I stripped down from all these characters that I wear? And I never had actually done this practice, even though I wrote a whole book about it. I've gone on a lot of self-exploration trips. I never gone into a room where no one knew anything about me. And by the end of the week, people were sharing what they gained from who Zach was, uh, unfiltered by any of those other things that I decide as my identity. And uh, at least what I got from other people's interpretation now, and what I've sort of clinged on to is uh, a lot of people said that I'm I'm very loving. I'm just like a loving person, uh, which was really beautiful. Because you know, if I were to explain myself, I'd be like, I'm a filmmaker, and I like to adventure, and I like creativity. Yeah, but if we just describe ourselves on our interests, we're not really authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Because everyone has the same interests, right? You're a musician. And if you said, if someone's like, oh, hey, like, who are you? and you say you're a musician, well, so are millions of other people. But that doesn't mean you're not authentic or real. It's just because you're categorizing yourself off of an easy template that most of us do. But it's when we dig deep into those, like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And like, Really diving deep, that's when we really start to realize, like, oh, I'm like love, or I'm like a happy ball of fire, and <laughs> whatever that means. Um, so, kind of bouncing around. Those were kind of the the answers that I got. I also, you know, shared that I was like a leader, I was um, optimistic, and as much as that's other people's interpretations of who I am, they really, I really clinged on to those. So, a long story for one <laughs> answer. <laughs>
0: No, that's awesome. We love getting deep into these things.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm very deep, by the way. I, I almost like to a fault. So if I, I start <laughs> going too deep, you just let me know.
0: Oh no, we we go there on my on my Twitch streams. We started asking uh, these questions of the day. I don't know why this question came up, but we were talking about our strengths, and I was asking the chat, and I was asking myself also, and it like makes us really uncomfortable to talk about all this stuff. Um. So that was like the first time we got super deep and the chat was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> everybody's revealing things about themselves and it's great. It is it's really interesting. We love it.
1: It's good to get deep. And I, I feel that we all like getting deep. It's just, you know, sometimes it's not the best environment for it, but I feel like everyone wants mm-hmm. to like dig into things because when we're not talking to someone about it, we're thinking it. We're like, we're going into those spots with or without people. So True. I'm happy that you hold the space to do that. That's uh, that's sweet.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I suppose that, like, I don't really know, like, this question came up recently also, not the not the exact question that DJ asked, but kind of been thinking about, like, how do I define myself stripping myself from all of these labels? And I'm not sure I have an answer for that yet, but um, it's like something that I'm starting to think more about. No.
1: How, how you define yourself? Was it a question or was it like a question directed, like, who's you in this oh, yeah. situation? Yeah, you? basically,
0: who am I without saying that, I'm, like, I'm a musician, okay, but like, without that, what am, what am I? Who am I without all these labels?
1: So, I, one of the tools that I sort of dove into writing the book, which I'd love to do this practice with you now, is... You're not an accumulation of your interests. You're a makeup of your motives. So they are the things that get you up out of bed. They are your why. So when you think about it, and the best way to get to the why, which this is how you can get super deep really quick, and we don't have to go five whys deep, but even like three mm-hmm. whys deep, you get pretty good, which is like, uh, I'm a musician. So why are you a musician?
0: I love making music.
1: <laughs> why do you love making music?
0: Because I'm able to express my thoughts and feelings through the music.
1: Why is expressing your thoughts and feelings important to you?
0: So that things are not just bottled up inside, and I feel like like we have to process emotions to be able to to live. You know.
1: So that's a, that's a, you're getting pretty damn close to a good why there, which is mm. expressing your thoughts and feelings and emotions. And if you were to dive, you know, two why's deeper, which You know, we we won't go over on a podcast because that's where you can get like, (laughs) you know, what I find is like three whys deep, you can get like publicly, but then the last two, like if I were to ask why two more times, typically you go deep enough to being like, oh, when I was a kid, this or growing up Mm -hmm. that. And while we tend to try and like hide those things, as soon as we unpack what those things are, we can use them as devices in order to really motivate whatever we're doing next. So. I don't, in, in, in my sort of career doing a, a vast majority of things, which I think most 20-somethings do, which are like, I'm an artist, but I'm also an entrepreneur, <laughs> but I'm also starting, you know, I'm an athlete, I'm doing this, blah, 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 You know, I've done a, many different things and part of that's really fun. But then the, the drawback of doing that is sometimes it's like you're misguided. You don't really know where you're going. You're just doing a thing because the thing was put in front of you right? You you know, you might even experience this with your music. Someone might give you an opportunity and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, like it's a great opportunity You take it. And then like two months down the road, you're like, I hate what I'm doing. This is not fun. Uh, and the mo- vast majority of the time, at least for me, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but the vast majority of times for me where I start to feel misguided is when I'm misdirected from my motive. So so my why, my fifth why deep, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. When I am not aligned with that, that's when I'm like WTF, what am I doing right now? But if you just stayed with your interest, you'd be like, well, no, I should be doing this. This is this totally makes sense. I'm a musician or I'm a filmmaker. I'm insert, you know, job title here. But when you go deep enough, you actually understand why you're doing something, and that will make you make the best decisions forward and know exactly what you want to do. Like this past year, I've made some massive. Uh, big decisions, one of them leaving uh, my company that i've built that's doing you know very well, and uh, it was a sad decision because I started with uh, two of my favorite people in the whole world, and the business is actually doing really well, but I had to leave it because it wasn't satisfying that deep why of mine so mm-hmm. you know it 's an important question to ask ourselves uh, and to dig into, and truly, when we can answer it honestly we'll be able to make the best decisions. So I uh, I challenge you to to figure out what that fifth Y deep is after the Zoom call and oh, after for your sure. listeners to to test it out because it you do get some really juicy stuff at the end.
0: Yeah, that while you were saying that I was kind of thinking of because now a lot of musicians, I mean a lot of people in general are on TikTok and they're using TikTok as you know following trends and all of that as a way to promote themselves and promote their music and everything, but. Like I've been talking to a friend recently about it and we just cannot get ourselves onto TikTok. And like a number of my friends also just, like we just can't do that because it, it, just, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel authentic. And I like I can't follow trends. I just feel like I wouldn't be making the music that I want to be making. And so I suppose that is an example of you know, deviating from your, your why.
1: (laughs) A hundred percent. Right. Because you didn't get into music, you know, for you to express those deep emotional things that you're sharing about and how important that is to you. If TikTok isn't, you know, if you're not getting deep emotionally with using TikTok, then you'll never find satisfaction in it because it's not, yeah, like you said, satisfying that deep reason. That said, there, there is something to be said about platforms and how they can allow us to explore things if we're able to create the glue between um, our our motives, like the thing that we're really, you know, our why and the thing that we're doing, right? Because at the end of the day, as artists, we do have to make these decisions. A lot of people find great success on platforms like TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, despite how terrible they can be, uh, even to creativity and not, let's not get into, uh, you know, mental health. But... We, there are people who are able to bridge that gap, and I do sort of talk about that in the book, but it's just basically, what are the best tools and resources in order to sustain? It's the same as, you know, I'm, I'm a huge lover of the environment. I absolutely love the planet, but I have to drive a car to go to work, even mm-hmm. though I despise, you know, some of the things that I have in my day-to-day life that uh, are, let's say, against the environment. There are certain tools I need to do, and same with YouTube, right? And same with TikTok. So there's a way to modify and at least hack so you can still have your your deep why and still be satisfied with that and excel as an artist and you feel satisfied with both things and it's really going down to those granular levels and really asking, you know, why is this not working and how can I bridge that gap? So mm-hmm. TikTok can work. I'm with you though. I hate TikTok. I like. <laughs> I've, I'm. I'm also terrible with apps. I'm literally like. I've got reminders on my phone. Like right now, I'm locked out of Instagram for the day because Mm. I can't open it. Yeah, because I have timers on everything. So I get the whole TikTok thing. You also don't Mm. need TikTok to be successful.
0: Yeah. I mean, but I suppose it is a nice way to get all the views to gain traction in some ways. But yeah.
1: (laughs) I think, well, that's an important thing to talk about too. You know, a lot of us uh, chase after TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, views, eyeballs, algorithms to get more numbers, to make more money, to hopefully be happier. But the issue with both of these things can be if we don't know the f- monetary number that we're trying to get to, you know, you could become a millionaire off of TikTok and still be miserable. And I think that's uh the low hang... That's the fruit that we don't really think about as much. We more or less, I think, you know, from from being a creator for, for a long time... The worst parts of my career have always been the times where I strived to catch that low-hanging fruit and disregarded what I actually needed. I obsessed over, oh my god, like I need to have 100,000 subscribers, I got to have a million, I got to do this thing. And totally lost track of all the other incredible opportunities that were coming my way. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something we have to take a step back and go, okay, like, well, what is all these views from TikTok going to do for me? Okay, it's going to, best case scenario, give me more viewers for my other platform. Now, what is that going to do for me? Well, I'm going to be able to express myself and talk about these things more. But if let's say you're doing TikTok videos or YouTube videos for viewership, and you build a whole platform out of trendy videos... You're never actually going to be able to do what you wanted to do to begin with because now you're a slave to the clickbaity brand that you've built. Mm-hmm. So it's a catch twenty-two, and I think a lot of creatives can get stuck in that that cycle. So you should always just start with what feels right because once it does boom, or if it booms, you're going to be way more satisfied.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, it's hard to you can't exactly just ignore the numbers though, if especially if it is. Bringing in an income, um, because the more numbers, as you were saying, like the more views and more numbers, the more money. Um, and if somebody is trying to make that their career, like you can't just completely ignore all of those analytics, I guess, and just kind of do your own thing all the time. Because, I mean, maybe it'll work, maybe, but just like it's a really slow growth and it's a really slow process, and so it it's it's really hard to balance that
1: totally and we just need to recognize what's the number that we need to hit in order to be successful because right like i mean i what was it that the income at least for canadians i think like to be happy was like i think it was like 75 grand a year or something like that's like and then anything beyond that people actually don't get any more happy or they they don't their their, their means have been set and then anything beyond really? that number uh it's just sort of like bonus but yet in our heads it's programmed to be like no like i gotta make like make bank i gotta make 100k 200k next year i'm making 300k a year and it's like why like so Mm. you can have another car so you can buy the next best tesla you know the new pair of nikes so to be able to figure out okay what's your need and then work backwards from that might be the better thing for I think all creatives who are getting into this because at the end of the day, we can't pay our bills by opportunities, favors, and likes on YouTube videos. We actually have to make money from this. So Mm -hmm. how do we make money from this, but also not chase the dragon per se, trace that, chase that monetary, um, low hanging fruit that's in our heads. So, or high hanging Mm -hmm. fruit for some of us.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, you talked about your goal of hitting a million subscribers on YouTube. What is your reasoning, your why for that? Why is that success for you?
1: Yeah, so it's, a, it's actually changed. So when I wrote the book, I, I definitely had a goal for, for reaching a, a big subscriber count. And now it's, it's definitely changed because I recognized that I don't need to have millions of online followers in order to make an impact and actually the release of the book really illustrated that you know mm-hmm. it's it sold tons of copies i'm getting plenty of friends from all aspects of my life messaging me about it and it really does illustrate the fact that you know you don't need to change the lives of millions even if you're able to impact one or two around you you're doing a good thing and if i go deep into my why I want to create the content that did that for me as a kid. So growing up, I didn't have a lot of things, mostly because uh, I grew up with a a laundry list of food allergies that made me limited to being able to experience most average things that kids got to experience as as children. So going out at recess, you know, uh, traveling... Having a regular classroom, like I was trapped in the same class, not trapped, that sounds really scary, but <laughs> I was in the same classroom from grade, uh, kindergarten to grade eight uh, with the same kids, same teachers, you name it, same sort of environment, six kids in a room. And so a very obscure upbringing and watching movies and being inspired by film uh, really helped me out of some of the darkest days of my life. And I want to create content that does that for other people uh, who are in a similar position that I was in. And I don't need to do that for millions of people. I don't even need to do it for hundreds of thousands of people. If I got to impact two or three people on my time being here, like that's pretty awesome. And I think if we all sort of just strive to impact one person, we would we would get the entire planet, you know? Mm -hmm. So we the, the idea, like we have the resources and assets to access billions of people, which I think is a very overwhelming thing as being a a creative for the first time in history. Literally millions of people have access to communicating to billions of people. Like how mind-blowing is that? Like someone a hundred years ago would be like, I would love to impact my grandma and that's it. Like that's like <laughs> the one person they, they probably know their other family members. But now it's like I want to impact this person in India. You know, and you can and you can impact millions mm-hmm. of people. So I think just dialing it back and having, and this is something I do talk about, but it's like instead of aiming towards hitting these high number goals, shrink your room, shrink your gaze and go, hey, can I affect the people in my room? Okay, did it. Can I affect the people on the outside of that? Okay, cool. I can do that. Uh, As opposed to, you know, looking at this large fishbowl of millions of people. Mm -hmm. So it's changed for me. Now it's no longer millions uh, I'm <laughs> fortunate enough that my YouTube channel is, is close to 100K and I feel very fortunate about that and my movies have affected, you know, plenty of people and I think I'm just going to keep doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. It would still be cool though, like once you do hit a million, which I'm sure will happen someday.
1: <laughs> it would be very cool, but I'm not going to, yeah. you know, you, you lose the joys of the present when you focus on the potentials of the future mm-hmm. uh, and that's and that's sort of what, focusing on youtube numbers and metrics can do to you
0: mm-hmm. um you mentioned a couple of things that I was kind of interesting like uh how films affected you growing up and i was kind of thinking in parallel with how music f- affected me growing up um and you make films now for other people to watch but so do you make films with that in mind like you're you're impacting, having an influence on other people. So you're kind of making this thing for them, or do you kind of have the idea for yourself and then you release it and it happens to affect other people?
1: I think it's the second one. That's a really good question. For me, it's been like if I keep an idea, my I, I honestly think I would be one of those people who talk to themselves. but you pass <laughs> by, you're like, what are they talking? Who are they talking to? Like I, that would be me if I didn't get to make movies. Because I, I am that like my poor girlfriend has to deal with me walking around the house like staring at the wall like a crazy person or talking to myself <laughs> because I just have all these ideas circulating and so I'm very mm-hmm. fortunate that I have a tool to express that so in order for me not to be a crazy person I like to make films mm-hmm. and fortunately enough those films uh, express an inner creativity in mind that I I hope I, I'd like to think that can inspire uh, other uh, people's creativity and so it's kind of a win win. Uh, I'd like to romanticize over the fact that, you know, making movies, uh, my specific interest is to inspire other people. But if I really was serious about it, it's just to uh, unleash that inner creative crazy that if I if I lock up, I become a complete crazy person.
0: Yeah. How about you? What's yeah.
1: Are you what's your what's your reasoning? What's your thing?
0: So because I've only I've made music purely for myself, pretty much. Always like it's kind of a selfish thing. I love making music. It helps me, as I mentioned, express my thoughts and feelings, blah, blah. blah. Um, but like re- in recent years, I've been releasing it onto Spotify, whatever else. Like it's out there in the world now and people have I've received a lot of feedback from it and how a song has affected them, influenced them, or how it's resonated with them. And so and now I want more of that. Like now I want to connect with all the people (laughs) and somehow my music is able to do that but also i also think it's just kind of like a win-win situation where it just it just happened that way like i didn't make the music with the intention of i want this person to hear it and i want them to feel this way about it it's like well this just came out of me and this is this thing exists and i guess it relates to some other people which is really cool (laughs)
1: Yeah, as uh I, I can definitely relate to that. And not to get all woo-woo, but it can it can feel like some of your listeners will probably like channel off at this point or or tune tune the channel. But I feel like there's like a, a future version of yourself or a higher version of yourself. And when you get into that like creative flow state, you tap into that version of you who is like already done it super successful at whatever they've done they're happy they're they're feeling good and everything about multiverse. I don't know if you got if you've ever watched like uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. They do a really it's good job. Great, great. It's film, incredible, yes. incredible, right? So, I cried at rocks. <laughs> oh my god, that was the scene that I cried at. I was yeah. literally talking to my girlfriend. I'm like, I never have I thought I'd cry at rocks with googly eyes.
0: Right. But it yeah, happened. If, if people haven't watched it, you, you got to go watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if you guys are listening, you're like, how do you cry googly eyes? Then like, what are you, are you ref- talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But with that movie, you know, it, it opened my eyes up to, you know, the idea that it's like, okay, like maybe there's a me in another universe who's like super duper happy and successful and isn't in the rat race and like, you know, has made all the movies, done all the impact. And anytime that I tap into a flow state, which I think, you know, your listeners or even yourself know what that is like, where you're just sort of like, where is this download coming from? I'm writing these <laughs> lyrics, I'm writing this movie, like, whoa, you know, we all get it. And I, you know, it's just a frame of mind, but I feel like when I tap into that, it's me tapping into future Zach, who's already you know pure success and happy, and uh, he's like, Zach, listen, like here's the download, Aww. and I get it, and then that that's able to make the impact to what it does. So whether that's true or not, I just like to have that mystical view of it all.
0: <laughs> that's super cool. I never thought about it that way. Definitely, like I feel the flow and everything, but I never thought of. Like that's future me and everything's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, and and perhaps when we go against that, that's when we feel the least happy because we're mm-hmm. not channeling into that future version of ourselves that is successful. And and when I say success, I I don't want anyone to listen to this thinking that I'm talking about money, big house, whatever. Like in my head success is actually being just happy with what you have, and I think the lack of success is therefore is the person who obsesses over the monetary or you know other sort of gains that don't necessarily bring full happiness? So hmm. I'm when I say I'm channeling into successful Zach, that's the, you know the person who is just uh, uh, happy with what they have.
0: Mm. That's really freeing, actually. That brings a lot of comfort to think that you know things will be okay and that future me is perfectly fine, happy. They're living their life. And like, I'll get there.
1: And and perhaps maybe they're like, "What the frig? Like, why are you so upset right now? <laughs> you're you're upset over things that don't matter from future you, right? Mm. Like, I mean, if you think about because the way the reason why I started thinking about that is, guarantee we all think about a younger version of ourselves, right? And you think mm. about, oh, if I could give young Zach, uh you know a download if i give that person something i would and maybe you do sometimes you do the thought where you're like oh i'd love to tell him this and maybe you at that time is feeling something and that's you now giving it to them this sounds super weird sci-fi like <laughs> i just smoked a joint before this i promise i didn't but what it what it, it it's just like if we can give those thoughts to younger version of ourselves what why isn't there something to say that there's a future version of ourselves doing the same thing for us now anyway I'll let Mind your blowing. listeners, I'll let your <laughs> listeners do some, uh, some psychedelics, lick a frog and, and maybe, uh, go down <laughs> that rabbit hole a bit.
0: Whew. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so, that's wild.
1: <laughs> it's, and you know what, it's like, n- there's no way we'll ever be able to prove it. The closest probably evidence to this being true is everything everywhere all at once. Um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty bold statement, but, uh, <laughs> I I don't know, like you said, it it is kind of like, it is a little freeing to just think that maybe that's what it is, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What is, like, what does a flow state look like for you as a filmmaker, somebody who makes video things? Because for me, like, I just, I just sat here, right here playing guitar last night, like the same, same riff for like two hours. (laughs) And like, it was like somebody who would some outside person if they saw me would probably think i'm crazy like repeating the exact same thing over and over and over again but you know so that's like a music thing for me but what is it like as for for film and video for you
1: first off i love uh musicians in their flow state and i have so many questions about uh, the mirrored questions for you because one of my favorite things back in the day, I used to do a lot of music videos for bands. And my favorite thing was sitting in with bands as they would do their jam sessions. Like I was fortunate enough to be like, we would have like a meeting with the band. And then they're like, oh, we still have a jam session. I'd be like, oh, can I sit in on it? And I get to sit in and watch them like get into this zone. <laughs> I was like, whoa. And I I think creative flow states, while the instruments are different, the practices are relatively the same when it comes to getting into that part of your brain and mm-hmm. for me that creative flow state sort of it's funny because i'm editing a movie and i can really relate to where you're at with your music which is i have a timeline and so there's all of my footage on this like one board and there are five shots that that i cut to music and I like a crazy person, reassemble the shots like puzzle pieces that can interchange. And I'm like, does th- does this combination work? Nah. Does this combination work? Nah. And it's literally like, I don't know, five, whatever it is, like there's like, you know, a hundred different options out of those five different shots being reorganized. And you're just constantly trying to crack a code. And flow state to me is just not recognizing that I spent freaking five hours on that. And it's just being like, oh my God, it's like five o'clock now. Mm-hmm. Um so, and it, it always is different, and I'm sure it's the same with you, right? It's like, the, depending on what tool you're using, is sometimes a different flow state. Like, it could be the guitar for me. It could be editing something or writing. You know, the beautiful thing about filmmaking is that it's multi-layered. So, there is, you know, for the past three months, I've been dialing in on the script with my co-writer, Neil, uh, or with the writer, Neil. And I've been then like we've been getting into flow states with ideas, and then now it's going from that to now in an editing suite, and before that it was shooting. so you're tapping into these different states, and the best resources around to be able to lubricate that in my personal opinion is good sleep and caffeine so <laughs> but but, and how about you what what does flow state sort of look like for you you're 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 doing the same riff over and over and over again? Are there any other sort of tools or practices that you have that get
0: you into that? I suppose I haven't actually thought about what gets me into it. Um, definitely, if I try too hard to be like, I want I want to get into flow, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, if I think too much about it and force it, it won't happen. But um, I think just getting started and then eventually getting rid of distractions, for sure. Like, if if I put my phone away, that's great. That I'll probably get into flow because like if I'm practicing flute or something, um it might take a while, but it is it, yeah, it's the same thing just like getting lost for hours, time just flies by, um but yeah, I'm not really sure if I have specific things that get me into it. I'm realizing, <laughs> but yeah, or like lyrics will just come, they just form, and suddenly a song is written in like twenty minutes, it's a fully fledged song and. It sounds good. If I listen back to it the next day, like it still sounds good. It's great. I suppose yesterday when I was playing guitar, I played similarly, like with your different combinations of your shots. I played the same kind of chord progression, but I in a variation of styles. And yeah, uh, it was really interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you you touched on a good thing. You know, tapping into flow state is not something where you're like, okay, flow state, let's go. And you're just like in it. It's not like starting a car and the engine turns on Mm -hmm. it it, because we've all been there. Like I'll, I'll like sit and stare at a page. I'm like, why isn't it coming? Come on. And I'm like starting the engine and the car is just like out of gas. And yeah, I think the best, the, to me, it's just like routine is sort of the best thing, at least for me to get into some sort of flow state where I'm like, If my days have a structure where I'm like, I wake up at the same time I work out, I like I'm healthy. Like, I think a healthy Mm -hmm. body makes for a healthy mind. And if I if I'm not in the shape to which my body feels good, I'm not going to tap into that. I'm very fortunate that this film, I've been able to tap into a flow state. So we shot we wrote for three months shot for for three days. And now I've been deep in the edit for for three days straight now and it's starting to just look like it went from like beautiful sharp images on a screen to now just like like how i see it now is now just like blocks and colors on like a gray (laughs) slate and i'm like so (laughs) i'm hoping to get some sort of creative fuel back in here
0: yeah what um well i'm just curious what do you use to edit I
1: use Premiere Pro for about... When I started getting into filmmaking, it was Final Cut Pro 7. And then Final Cut decided to just be really stupid. And I decided (laughs) to jump over to uh, Adobe. And I've been with Adobe for the last probably six years.
0: Yeah. What about um, DaVinci Resolve? Have you ever used that?
1: I have not. Many people talk about it. And it seems like a really cool thing because of the color grading. I think it's free software, so you're not spending... I don't even want to do the math of how much I'm spending on Adobe Premiere per year. <laughs> uh, and it's because I have everything I have like Premiere and Lightroom. And oh my God, it's just like every month I look at my bank account, I'm like, they took what out? So <laughs> uh, gone were the days where I had a, an illegally downloaded version of Final Cut on my computer.
0: Mm, yeah. So it seems like you're very involved in the whole process of of script writing and filming, directing and the post production also is there is it kind of just for this project or do you tend to be a part of the whole process for every one of your projects
1: so it's funny because a month ago i went to chase tornadoes for a documentary with an incredible filmmaker mark bone and it was the first time that i'd ever shot something where i didn't touch the footage in the edit afterwards it was directly for for them. So I didn't have anything to do with the pre-production. I had nothing to do with the post-production. And it was only the production. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time in, I'd say, about 10 years of doing video where that, that has popped up. So to answer your question, I am part of always everything till the very bitter end. And it's been like that since I started making movies. And there's not one process that I like more than the other either. Like, uh, I heard Spielberg say this, and not to put myself on his level at all, but there, I really related to it, which is, I, you know, he says that I, I love the writing process until, it's, until it starts to drive me crazy, and then I move on to the shooting process. And then I love shooting until it starts to drive me crazy, and then we move on to editing. And then I love editing until it drives me crazy, <laughs> until we go to produce it. And then once the movie's actually out there and we do the premieres, I like the premieres until I want to start on the next project. And that's like the evolution of making content for me, which is, which is great because I love being hands-on, but it also each pro- process drives me crazy. I probably feel like that's what it's like having children. You're like, I love these kids so much until I need to like have a drink and sit by myself this evening mm-hmm. until they drive me crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I... That's really nice to hear because... You know, in music, how there are you have you have the songwriters and you have the artist who performs and records the song. You also have the recording engineers and the producers and the mix engineers and the mastering engineers. And there are so many people that can be involved in the whole process. But for me, well, also being like a small indie artist, where I'm, I feel like I'm still just starting out. But like, I don't know, I'm, I'm so I'm doing like all everything by myself, the the songwriting, the recording, mixing, mastering, producing, and all that stuff. And it's super fun to me. But also it seems like, you know, like traditionally if you are with a label or if you've got a band, it seems like the the process is that you have a song, you record a demo, and then you go to a professional studio, recording studio, get it produced, recorded, and there's like a whole bunch of people making this uh, creating this thing with you, and that sounds really nice to have like <laughs> other people doing things and so like you don't have to like you can be a little hands off. <laughs> but I also I just I love the entire process as well. I don't know it's in a way it, it's not exactly like I want to be in control of everything. like I've had a friend master one of my tracks for me before, and that was an interesting learning process like, kind of letting go and also having somebody else's opinion, somebody else's ear on it. Um, So that was really cool, too. But I do prefer to do everything on my own, and it's nice to hear, like, other people also can be in the same boat.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I do want to touch on that because it's a really good point. And I feel that gone were the days where the only way to be a successful artist were to do a demo, send it to an agency, that agency hooks you up with the whole team, and you kind of have to follow through, insert uh, artist story here, where it's like mm-hmm. you go to the label, the label does a the thing, they give you money, and then they help you build the thing, and then you have to return the money. Like, you know, the, mu- the musician's trajectory Wasn't, you know, it's a different set of steps, but not too different from, let's say, the director or filmmaker's trajectory where it's like you have to go through the formula and those formulas still exist and people still follow them. But I feel like the GOM were the days where that was the only option. Now there are uh, several different options in order to make this work in all facets of creating. I even experienced this writing my book. You know, I don't have to be a solo self published artist. I also don't have to go with an agency. Like, for me to go with an agency or find like a HarperCollins out there, like a big agency, like that's like steps. And I had to wait like a like years. And there, were, or there was another thing that cost me like $30,000. I'm like, I don't have that money. Like, where am I going to put that in there? And then, you know, I, I made sort of my own hybrid approach, uh, which was kind of going through. Uh, Amazon uh, KDP and getting that to sort of make it and then also sort of leveraging, you know, the audience that I built online and friendships and stuff. So kind of doing a hybrid. And the same goes for filmmaking. And I want to touch on the movie that I just finished making because that was no solo effort. Uh, That was a large team. Uh, I say large in the aspect of filming. It's very small, but we had about 15 people making the film. You know, I was directing, editing, kind of producing and, you know, concept story editing, that sort of stuff. But... Even though those are those are five hats, there were still, you know, 15 to be filled. And those were actors, producers, cinematographer, an incredible writer, um, post-production sound, musicians. So, you know, in this collaborative art, there are still many hats to be worn. But I think there is a way to, if you can, to take on more hats in order to have a little bit more, I don't want to say control, but have more of your footprint on the final vision. Because I found, because I I have worked in environments where there have been even more collaborators or, you know, other brains in the space, whether it's even working on, let's say, a commercial for a, a, a brand. And typically, in those environments, it's not as freeing, you know, and you'd be like, Oh, my God, like, I did a commercial a year ago where, you know, there was an agency, there's people hovering over my shoulder, there was a production designer, there was this and that and this and that. And on one aspect, it was beautiful. I was like, I just get to like, step away and just direct. This is the dream come true. But then the other part was, you know, like I had to do the same shot 15 times because the spaghetti was in the wrong position. So there is... A constant, you know, where do I sit and navigate? And I think repetition makes the master in regards to figuring out what is the perfect dynamic for for me. And what I found was this past project was really leaning into having core members that really, you know, I think the, the best collaboration is finding those who do the things that you're not the best at, you know, and finding people who are incredibly skilled. And that's like taking a step at yourself and being like, what... What do I? What do I? What am I okay at? And just need to find someone excellent in. And I'm very fortunate that with this past project and with other projects, I've surrounded by just unbelievably excellent people out there. That I love so mm-hmm. much.
0: Yeah, it's really nice if you find the people that you can click with, and that makes teamwork makes the dream work.
1: <laughs> it does. And there's a great quote, um, which is, "If you want to go fast." go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And Mm -hmm. it's something I repeat in my head all the time. Because like you, I I would say, you know, 80% of the time, I'm a solo artist. I'm making movies by myself. I'm shooting, editing, directing, pumping them out, whether it's documentary, YouTube videos, and now even like doing the post-production on this movie, like I'm kind of the only person in the space, uh, minus a post-production sound guy. And so you know it's it's a solo effort and i think it's important to know if you are wanting to lead the charge on something being a musician or for me it's like as a director um you need to know the hats of every department and i think the best way to do it is just to dabble in all of them because it's really hard to lead the charge if you don't know what people are doing you're just kind of like oh this this thing you know like uh, and like trust me like I like that that's the position I found myself in sometimes where I'm like I don't know wardrobe I don't even know how to change myself and it's like <laughs> I'm the most lost in that department but I'm like okay this is something I need to learn about so on this past film it was something that I became a little more hands-on in um, so I'm I'm uh, I'm definitely going off the rails here but uh, overall I think there's if you can find that middle space and not just go down the path that had been you know, the trail had been blazed by someone else and kind of carving your own center spot, which bookends exactly to where we started on this conversation. Uh, And I think that works well with figuring out your thing, because there's so many options now.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So the film that you're working on now, is this the one that you're submitting for Buffer Festival?
1: Yeah, so I am currently cutting, staring at, I keep looking over here like you can see it, but I'm looking at the film right now, which is a... Short science fiction film that I'll be submitting to Buffer Festival, premiering August I think twenty sixth or around that day, that same weekend uh, in Toronto, Ontario. It's a sci- sci-fi film told from the perspective of a young girl who's trapped in a smart home, and the smart home's driving her crazy, and some crazy stuff goes down. So that's uh, that's what I'm currently staring at, and I have the window of about a month to get it done. So it'll be fun. <laughs>
0: How close do you think you are to getting done?
1: I mean, I always go into these things confident and then usually leave like with my tail between my legs. So at this very moment, I'm in the confidence stage. So I should be done first at it, uh, then like by tomorrow or end of tomorrow. And then, I I mean, that's the confidence coming in and then it's like, okay, then it's got to go VFX and sound effects and. Uh, post-production sound and revisions through people and yada 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 <laughs> all the boring stuff but right now the fun process is leaving me confident
0: that's great it's a good place to be
1: <laughs> yeah and how about you what's 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 up for music what are you are you working on an album right now or just riffing on uh individual songs
0: yeah um well i'd like to think an album but i suppose it's really just a couple of original like singles at the moment that i've been kind of putting out and covers also um actually uh you mentioned this in your book that sarah Dichi said you know the one for you one for them thing which i also knew about before i read your book because you know sarah Dichi is awesome she's cool um <laughs> cool tech youtuber um but yeah the one for me one for them thing it's not exactly one for me one for them but this idea of doing an original and doing a cover um, and then putting them out kind of in that order, in that pattern, um, I figured was kind of similar to that idea.
1: <laughs> it's a healthy way to, I think, do anything. You know, if you're constantly like the one for me, one for you thing for your listeners who, who, you know, want a bit of context on it, it's essentially creating content that satisfies your internal urge as a creative. So for me, it's like making this short film. Uh, And then the one for you is so that's the one for me. And then the one for you is me doing a behind the scenes of how I made it, uh, because it'll be educational. It'll be something to teach some people about something. And uh, it's getting into that sort of rhythm. That's that's really helpful. And you do it with covers and you do originals, uh, which I absolutely love because it works. The my favorite artists that I've discovered on Spotify, for example, are those who I found covers of to other songs. And then I go down the, the rabbit hole of their own music. So you're doing the right thing from a listener. Nice. <laughs> you're, you're nailing it.
0: Yay. We love validation. <laughs> yeah. That and uh, composing a lot, writing a lot of compositions. I would love to get into film scoring, but I haven't really, I haven't, I don't know how to like get into that world. Like, how do you find musicians to work with? <laughs>
1: I, you're it's so funny because i'm I'm literally in the boat of composing trying to find a composer for this film. Um, the process for me has always been I've had a handful of artists who I've been fortunate enough to work with in the past uh, who've composed a few of my projects, and so I'll reach out to them first. This project specifically, I am actually using the platform music bed for a lot of their uh scores, and they've got just a good selection of songs. And the reason why I'm going through that on this project specifically is because the scores all sound like they've had months to work on, like they're full compositions. And when you work on a movie in such a tight timeline, like if I were to get a composer on the project now, I'm only giving the artist, you know, a couple of weeks to really compose something that the expectation of the project to have a song that has had months to work on. So mm-hmm. I, I really hate to be that asshole director who's like, hey, can you get like a whole orchestra in here for like in like a week and have that turned around in a day? So I'm going with pre-composed music as a step out of my comfort zone too because typically I get custom tracks done and this is me sort of implementing that more YouTuber filmmaking on a scripted narrative film. So you'll see, I'll share it with you and you'll be like, Zach, the score sucks or hey, it actually worked. Uh, Right now, this is where I'm hitting my head off the wall because I'm like, oh, it needs to be custom. But we'll see.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have like, or you could do like, I mean, I don't know what you want to do, but I mean, what if it was a mix of like some custom sections and, but the majority is still the music bed stuff. That's what actually if you a really, really good idea. Custom music. <laughs> okay.
1: That's actually a great idea. You, okay. Well, your listeners heard it first. This is where the idea was born. <laughs> that actually might be the best thing.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Um, also, send Just me over thought.
1: send me over your music that you've tinkered with as far as like composing. It'd be so cool to hear. Sure. All right. Sure. Great.
0: Also, this is now like th- the motivation to get this podcast all my podcast episodes edited and out before like before not too long because <laughs> I've been sitting on some for for a while
1: I'm sure it's no small feat I think it's probably pretty daunting to like open up the edit and zip through all these things too
0: yeah but it's super fun it's super cool and it, like all these conversations are super inspiring for me and so I kind of feel like and plus given a little bit of time between recording and editing it's kind of like I get to re listen to the whole episode as as a listener, because I've forgotten some of the things that we talked about. And so it's cool. I get like new insights.
1: <laughs> That's so amazing that your podcast can inspire you. Like the fact that your own art actually helps you out. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it's funny because I went through that with the book. Like I, I didn't read it for like a year. And then when we were about to publish it, I started reading it again and I, like just mm. rereading chapters. <laughs> and I was like, huh. That's not a bad point, self.
0: Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) So it can be helpful in in that regard, too. So it's really good that you're making these catalogs and you have such a a knack at doing this or such a good skill at doing it. So um, (laughs) I really appreciate you having me on your on your podcast and uh, sharing some some thoughts and words about the creative process.
0: Yeah, it's super cool. It like because we're all creatives, but we're doing it kind of in different fields and but we can still relate to things. So it's super interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's wild how much of it intertwines, you know, hearing your flow state process, how you come up with songs is very parallel to, you know, it's the it's the same similar process, just different tools.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, back to the flow state thing, I suppose kind of like like, on the opposite end of the spectrum where flow is, would you say that the other side is burnout? Because if you're trying so hard to get into flow and we're saying, like, you you can't just sit there and be like, tap into flow, and it's happening. Do you think that... Because I kind of think that the more that I try to... If I'm like, I really want to write a song and release it, like, I can't... Or I really want to compose something... It just won't happen. It won't come. And the more I think about it, the more I try, like the less I actually do.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good point. I, I don't necessarily know if the uh, well, yeah, the opposite, I guess, would be burnout. But if you think of it as like different lines on like a chart, I think flow state is just this like upward like it just it keeps it, it goes and it kind of like propels upwards as far as like a vibe chart. And then obviously, burnout is like pushing really hard and accelerating really hard, and eventually it dips down. But then there's a line in the middle of that, which is just sort of like, which I think inevitably leads to flow state. But there's also sort of a a version of us where, you know, you might have to, you might get hired to compose a project, and, you know, it's not flow state. You're not like, oh my God, gumdrops and some rainbows. I'm having the best ideas of my life. But you're like, no, I'm 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 talented enough and I have enough tools and my resources to create something that's good and I feel good about, but I'm not like going into that high and mighty version of myself. And so I think there is a middle version that we can tap into that's not necessarily flow state and it's not necessarily banging our head against the wall trying to get something to come out. And and you know, the vast majority of the time. I think we're kind of dipping in and out between that line and flow state, and then when it starts to go wrong, I think burnout actually comes from us not listening to that higher self that we talked about before, and that's where that that version can come from, where it's where we ignore the symbols of flow state
0: Mhm, yeah, that's a good point yeah <laughs> what do you What do you do to recover from burnout unless you've just never been burnt out before and you're like? You're coasting, oh. you're always in flow.
1: Oh no, I mean, I, I feel like I dance dance with burnout. I think the remedy to burnout comes from alignment. And like I said, when we when we tap into burnout, it's because we're not operating off of things that align with us. So this project I'm working on right now totally aligns with me and I'm really excited about it. But perhaps the timeline is not something that aligns with me. So if I start stressing over, oh, I got to get it done, I got to get it published, da, 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 then that pressure removes me from the beauty of flowing in, in doing the edit. And how I can repair that is just to remove that invisible pressure. Um, I think burnout is created through, uh, like a good chunk of it is created through illusions that we make in our own head. You know, oh, I got I to gotta make this delivery for this deadline. I got to make money. I got to do this thing. And maybe, and maybe that's true. But, you know, a lot of us creatives, if we are facing burnout, then chances are we're actually doing really well, you know, because then we're doing so much that takes us to that point. And the reason why we're burning out is because we're saying yes to too many things, right? We're just, we're just, we're, we're writing too many songs. We're saying yes to too many client opportunities. We're shooting too many videos and that's where we start to go out of alignment. So, you're doing pretty well if you if you are tapping into burn burnout, which, you know, which is a shitty thing to say, but it's like my grandma always says it's better to be looking at work than looking for work. So, you've you've gone into the work mode, but you're just not doing it with the right mindset. Either you're putting too much pressure on yourself. You're you're operating off of insecurity. Um one of the main reasons why I had to leave the company that I was building this year was because I was just feeling burnt out all the time. And, you know, I just I couldn't juggle being an entrepreneur for a business that was so different from my primary passion. And while the business tapped into a personal passion of mine as like an individual, my higher self version couldn't cling on to it. And that's mm-hmm. where it felt like I was not operating in the best version of my space. So like once a week, I was just feeling so drained. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the remedy is alignment and just like, and just removing pressure. Um, and sometimes it's just like taking a break, but I really think it's, it's just taking a look at what makes me feel really good about what I do and how can I do more of that? Yeah, that's great. How about you? What's, what's, what's your, what's your tool? You have one. Think, do you even burn out?
0: Um, yeah, I was pretty burnt out from uh Twitch streaming like 2 months ago. And but it just so happened that I was leaving for some trips. Then like I I went to Toronto, went to Jasper. I like that was it like forced me to step away from streaming, to step away from creating to do like any of this music thing stuff that I'm doing now and that is like as a much needed break and i think i think that is probably one of the biggest things just to do something completely opposite from what you're always working on um but also like as who like i am as a person i don't think like if it weren't for those trips and if i didn't leave this room i probably would just sulk in my burnout and just like be stuck there forever <laughs> Yeah, like physically going somewhere else is changing up your environment is, is nice. Gain some new perspectives, get inspired by something else.
1: Yeah, one of the sayings that just like resonates to me more and more each day is you're a product of your environment. And mm-hmm. I think that on so many accounts, but what you're bringing up is, is that exa- exactly, right? It's like if you're in your studio every day, then you are a product of your work. You're just constantly looking at your keyboard, your computer screen, your microphone. You're like, create, do something, Twitch. And you, then you look at... And then you know. now our new environment is online. So we open up our our Twitch, our YouTube, and now all of a sudden, we're a product of that environment. And so it's like, I'm either in my office or I'm in my digital world. And when you take a trip, you go spend some time with family, you go even on a hike in nature... Then all of a sudden you start to become a product of that. At least that's for me. Like I have my like nature escapes that I like to do all the time. And then all of a sudden I like tap into that environment, which really, I think helps out quite a bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that when I moved away from Calgary to live in Toronto for a bit, like downtown Toronto was just all skyscrapers and everything. I love... Being back home in Calgary so much. We're so close to the mountains. So many hikes. It's so I'm nice. So jealous. <laughs>
1: How often do you go down to like Jasper and stuff?
0: Um, well Jasper is further up. So further. Not Sorry, often, Lake Louise. You're, like, you're close to Lake yeah, Louise, right? Like Banff, Camor, Canonaskias. Um, every couple of weekends we can we kind of make a trip out there. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I know. But like with gas prices now and uh kind of hurts a little every time. <laughs> yeah,
1: because you have to walk there every time now.
0: <laughs> Anyone
1: listening, that's like a probably what, like a day walk to get there? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, but us Imagine. as Canadians, we, we, uh, we like to walk to our mountains. That's a thing.
0: Yeah. We walk across the whole country. That's yeah. how we get to places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: it must have been quite the trip going from Toronto to Calgary.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just really curious to know about your company um like what is this you said it's different from i'm assuming it's different from your filmmaking stuff
1: uh yeah it's very different so and and yeah so the company is uh, a cold exposure company called unbounded it's an unbelievable uh organization that we've been able to build so here in canada as you know we get winter and we get cold weather, and we what is
0: that? What? Yeah, yeah,
1: right. And if you don't live in Calgary or near the mountains, most of us Canadians live in denial for about six months of the year, and we just get angry and upset that it's so cold. And so, myself and some of my uh, two of my best friends decided to uh, build a community and company around cold exposure, which is the act of going into ice water for two minutes plus. Uh, Between two to four minutes for the physical benefits. um, That is a laundry list of them, including uh, uh, reducing inflammation, uh, better mental health. Uh, It helps cure things like cancer and uh, also just helps with uh, immune boosting. And the more we did it, the more we found those benefits. But overall, I found it as a huge uh, mood booster, especially during times of COVID. And so, what started as this fun little activity that we would do ended up growing into a big community. And we found out there, there was um, dozens and now hundreds of other crazy Canadians who wanted to do this as well, not for the fact of doing something crazy, but for doing the fact of feeling alive. And mm-hmm. uh, now we have a, a community of, of now a few thousand who, who participate in doing this uh, across Canada and now into the States. And it, you know, my departure from that has no reflection of the beauty of what that company is because I I look at it every day and I just like I want to cry I'm so happy of how everything is going and uh still very much a part of so many uh parts of that machine but if I were to look at my timeline of being a filmmaker and then also wanting to publish a book as well as you know YouTube and, and also want to live my own life, you know having a business is is, is, is not a part-time job uh, mm-hmm. it's not a hobby it's it's a full-time effort that you obsess over, and I think uh, it was a pursuit that I loved, but I couldn't obsess over 24 seven because I just had so many other obsessions in on my slate
0: mm-hmm. well that's awesome it's like building a company and juggling all the filmmaking and youtube and so many different facets of making things
1: <laughs> yeah you know and and I, because i can make things i felt like i can i can do it and i i'm sure many of your listeners uh, also can make you know if you if you're a maker like whether you're a music maker filmmaker whatever you know chances are you could probably also be an entrepreneur and make a business but I think the best businesses are the ones that really not just align with your passions, because I'm Bounded aligns with my passions. You know, building a cold exposure company aligned very much so with my health and wellness passions, my friendship passions, what I want to do every day, what the kind of company I would love to build, but it didn't, it didn't jive with my other passions. And it felt mm. like I, I had, uh, I had two children or, you know, I felt like I was juggling uh, being responsible for too many children, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Think of a metaphor of getting rid of a child because I'm like, this is going to go super dark really <laughs> fast. So we'll just stop with that metaphor and hopefully bounce to something else. <laughs> it's like getting rid of a child. No. <laughs>
0: um. All right. So Chris asked you, what, what were some of the challenges you faced early on, and how did you adapt and overcome them?
1: So, I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question because there's a lot of, uh, li- I, I feel like I'm in a constant state of starting. So, I always feel like early on is like yesterday. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like every time I do something, I'm like, okay, now today, like this is when I'm starting. I'm still a young filmmaker. And so, um, to think of something that I was going through early on or starting, a big challenge, hmm. Because I have a bunch of answers that are coming up. Um, like, can we be more specific on what what part of what journey is it? As like a, a YouTube creator, a filmmaker, living in general.
0: Um, <laughs> which one would you like to pick to answer? Oh no! Oh no!
1: I don't like that. <laughs> That's like when someone's like, "What's your favorite movie?" or "What's your jo- favorite genre of music?" Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know.
0: Well, All of what them. about what about living in general?
1: Uh, so one of, the most, one of the most difficult challenges, was that what the question was?
0: The challenges you faced early on and how did you adapt and overcome them?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still a challenge that I, that I face. And so I don't think I ever have adapted overcoming it. And I think this is one that's universal in all facets of, of my life, whether I'm in a new room with people or you know, exploring a new project which is a thing called imposter syndrome. (laughs) I feel no matter where I am at in my career, I always think like, oh, like in five years, I'll never deal with that because I'll have gained these new skills or done this thing. But I always like wind up on set, arrive into a room filled with people and feel like I don't belong here. I'll be holding a camera and I got... Hired to do a cool job i'll be out chasing tornadoes or filming a documentary in some far out place in Ontario and be like, Why did they hire me? What am I doing here what's the whole thing and you know I typically can override that and my you know it's it's a tough skill to have, but leveraging a sense of confidence and not feeling guilty about said confidence is one of the greatest things we can tap into because when we disregard confidence and override it with low self-esteem is when we really become the worst version of ourselves, uh, in our craft. And so I've really had to figure out how to tap into confidence. And I think that's something I'm, I'm always on a journey of because whether it's a phone call with a client or on set somewhere, imposter syndrome has always been a reoccurring challenge.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge thing that uh, I bring up a lot in all of these podcast chats just because I feel like everybody, most people feel it and uh, it's, everybody has different experiences with it, I suppose. But yeah, um, not a question, but just quickly, just DJ just wanted to say thank you and show his appreciation to you. Um, He said, though I am still reading through your book, there are already so many familiar messages and concepts being explored in here. I've also wanted to put these out in the world, but I didn't know how to package and present it and have constantly talked myself out of sharing, starting, sorry. (laughs) Um, He says, I'm glad to have discovered these topics from a perspective and experience and appreciate that you've shared them with the world. Thank you.
1: Oh, that's so sweet, DJ. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you you said this earlier on, and I think it's something to, to bring up, which is the aspect of starting. You know, I think one of the best things any of us can do to get to making it is to start. And it sounds so simple, but just starting almost overrides finishing. It's like I think when we think about a project we're always thinking about finishing. We're always thinking about the premiere where we're standing up on stage receiving our award or that the the finished edit of the movie or finished song and never do we sit there thinking about oh I just can't wait to sit in the recording room for 2 weeks straight while I bang my head off a wall. You know like that's not the part we think about and mm. we always obsess over that end result but I actually think the part we should really just like bite into is just starting because the vast majority of us are perfectionists or doers. So, and I, and I can speak to most procrastinators because I am one daily. And I, the greatest remedy to procrastination is just like, it's like putting 10 minutes in uh, to DJ, who who said, uh, the, you know, the thing about, you know, sharing those messages similar to what the book was, my strategy for writing that book and just getting those messages out, because I felt the exact same thing was, uh, I'm just going to write, you know, uh, like 10 stupid lines of word every day. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write some shitty stuff down. And what that does is it gets me started. And I know once I'm started, I'm going to keep writing. Uh, but I'm not, if I go into it being like, I'm going to write this book that's going to change my life. And I think about the end result the whole time, I'm not going to even open the document because that is a huge shadow to live under. So mm-hmm. just starting with the lowest expectation of being like, for me, when I go into an edit, I always start with like the easiest thing. I'm like, I'm just gonna have like do a little montage. I'm just going to like organize some clips. I'm going to write a couple stupid words. And then that gets the wheels turning. So just starting with simple as the best thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I think when you ask me what what's up for me right now and you're like, is an album happening kind of thing, I think I'm too afraid to say that an album is happening because that's 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 a big daunting task. <laughs> but for sure, an album is coming.
1: <laughs> All right. All right, you're accountable now. But also, yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. Yeah, but just <laughs> you're just going to sing. A, you're just going to write a few stupid words and that's it. Yeah. Exactly. And then, you know, an album is going to be made.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on this podcast. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> hey, it was great you do, chat.
1: you're so good at this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me having me on the show and uh, reaching out. You are definitely putting the best foot forward in in pursuing this. And uh, I really appreciate your your passion, dedication and incredible questions on this podcast. It was uh, so awesome to to speak on it.
0: Thanks. Um, where can people find you on the internet?
1: They can find me uh, on the internet. Uh, so Instagram is at Zach uh Z-A-C-H. I say H because I'm Canadian. Uh, or no, is that what they... Zed. no Z- <laughs> Oh, Z. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up. It's, I say Z. Also,
0: I realized H, how Australians say it, and they're like H. And H. I thought that was kind of like... That threw me off. I thought they were just... <laughs> being funny but that's how they say h and then we went on a whole tangent about that
1: <laughs> i've had conversations with americans where i'm like it's z-a-c-h and they're like Z? like they thought it was z-e-d-a-c-h uh. <laughs> and then, like they started writing it down they're like this is how you spell I'm like, no 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 Z they're like excuse Zedac. me what language are you speaking right now is this canadian you're you're speaking in so oh, it's God. z-a-c-h-r-a-m-e-l-a-n uh zach rambling you can find me on instagram same sort of name for for youtube um and you can find my book i'm hoping in some show notes or something i feel like it's easier than me being https (laughs) forward slash forward slash
0: yeah i'll link everything
1: (laughs) yeah best way to search me up is the unoriginal guide to originality my name pops up for that so sweet googs it and check it out but yeah it was such a such an honor being on this podcast and good luck (laughs) with the album but also more importantly good luck just getting those songs out
0: and you too with the film
1: hey thank you (laughs) I'll I'll have to send you a link once it's done
0: sweet alright